me start off by saying thank you to the eldership and to the congregation and Brother Tony and Brother Aaron for arranging this so that I can be here tonight. I do appreciate that. Uh, as Brother Clement said, I'm not really a stranger uh, to the congregation here. You may not recognize me because I went here as an attendee uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I was a little bit skinnier then and probably had a whole lot more black hair than I've got now. And the reason I'm a preacher and standing in the pulpit tonight is all Tony's fault, just so you know. So if you don't like me being here, you can blame him because the very first time I came here to Bobby Branch, Tony asked my name. And when I left, he remembered it. So I want to give him a kudos for that and for that, uh, uh, that uh, opportunity that he gave me to see how a preacher should act around other people. You should remember things like that. And if you can't remember, if you're like me and, and sometimes your memory slips, it's okay too. But, uh, but I did attend here as a late teenager and in my early 20s. And then my wife came to McMinnville and I said that this morning she recruited me to Cannon County. And she said, what did I recruit you to do? And I, I guess it was to be a husband and move there. But, but tonight I want to talk to you about the Gospel of Christ program. Many of you are probably familiar with that. Uh, I'll go through some of the information kind of quickly as you are familiar with it. Uh, but I want to give you an overview and some of the updates that we have had over the past several months especially and uh, to talk to you about that. So first off, I want to talk about the spiritual why. Uh, there's a four part to this presentation, the why, the who, the what, and the how. The why we do what we do, the who we are, what we do, and how we do that. And so let's start out by looking at the spiritual why. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, not just part, but to everyone who believes. And so let us understand that Paul put an emphasis on that gospel message. He also wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.21, talking about the foolishness of the message. Now, the message is not foolish, and we know that. But what I like to illustrate through this particular passage, this particular verse, is that God could have chose any method whatsoever to show his salvation to others. He certainly could have used miracles. He could have used prophets as he did in old times. But he also could have used people like me and you. And we do that through the preaching of this message that the world calls foolish. We know it's not foolish, but we want to make sure that we understand that God chose us as his vessels. The mission of the gospel of Christ is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Now that seems like a simplistic message, but friends, let me talk to you about that for just a moment. The emphasis on the first part of that slogan or that statement, our motto, is to take the whole gospel. That means that we want to take it all. There are some today, especially in uh, the religious confused world, that teach a prosperity gospel or a feel-good message. And certainly we must preach the feel-good message of the Bible. But as I heard Brother Greg Dismuke say a few years ago at the Auburn Hills congregation, and Brother Keith Ford is here tonight, he's the preacher there, but I heard Brother Greg Dismuke say a few years ago, some of you may be old enough to remember the old records, uh, the old records that had an A side and a B side, and some of you are looking at me like, what's a record? Uh, but the A side was usually the popular song, but the B side, maybe not so popular. But sometimes when you flipped it over, you heard the tune and you thought, man, that's a pretty good song. That's the way we kind of have to look at the gospel message. We have to look at, yes, there is a loving and feel-good side to the gospel message, but there's also obedience and the wrath of God if we do not obey. We also want to take the gospel to the whole world. Warren County is blessed. Cannon County is blessed. We're in the middle of the Bible Belt. I like to sometimes refer to it as the belt buckle 
of the Bible Belt. And, you know, we are in an abundance of congregations around this area speaking the truth soundly. But, friends, we're in a lost world. I think of an area that I hold dear to my heart down in the panhandle of Florida, and they're about to get hammered with some serious storms, but we have a lot of friends in the panhandle. You have to drive 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 miles before you can find a congregation of the Lord's Church that's sound. And so let us understand that just down the road a few hours, this privilege that we have as Christians here in Middle Tennessee is not there. And so we want to take the whole gospel to the whole world. As we look at that, let us understand why. The value of the human soul is the easy reason that we can look at that. Our world desperately needs the soul-saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the past couple of weeks. You turn on the TV or maybe look on the Internet. You listen to the radio and you hear about school shootings. You hear about a, a, uh, another situation at a graduation last week. This world is full of evil. Satan is in charge of it. But we need to make sure that our world knows that there is a better way. There's a better place and opportunity. And we need to do everything we can to share that soul-saving message with others. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what would he give in exchange for his soul? Friends, you and I both know somebody who has done just that. They've exchanged something for their soul. The reason I can boldly say that this evening is because I look out, and, and this is a great crowd, but I see a whole lot of empty seats. And we know that people have made that exchange with their life and their soul in order to do just that. This chart is from a uh, graphical information from the pewforum.org a few years ago in 2015. I want to emphasize a couple things here about the amount of religious confusion in the world. I don't know who all was surveyed. don't know the exact numbers. I could look that up. They didn't ask me, and they probably didn't ask you. But the top number in blue, I believe it's going to show up up there a little bit for you, uh, is those in the world that would say in a sampling that they were of the Christian faith. Now, you and I both know that's probably an exaggerated statement, more so because the simple fact the older statistics that I had for this particular graph showed that 16% of that 31%, so over half of that 31% were of the Catholic faith. And friends, the Catholic faith is not even mentioned in the Bible. And so when we think about that, there's probably a 57 uh, percentage that we can relate to that was unaffiliated Christians. That's probably where we might find ourselves if we were answering the checkmark boxes. And so that word Christian is very exaggerated. But look over to the green section that's Muslim faith, 24%. That number has increased greatly uh, since the 2007 statistics that we had available. Uh, it's growing, but that's not the one that concerns me the most. The one that concerns me is the one on the bottom. It's called the nuns. That is the new fastest growing religion in the world today. Now you may say, well, what in the world is the nuns? Well, let me tell you what it is. 16.2% of people answered that survey question to say that they had no religious affiliation whatsoever. That does not mean they're atheists. matter of fact, there's only about 2% of that number that's an atheist. An atheist does not believe in God. They're staunchly against God. And only another one point, I believe it was 7%, that were agnostic, which meant that they didn't have a care or not whether there was a God. But the other 13 to 14% of that number is the one that bothers me. And friends, it's happening right now in our day and time. And that number has grown substantially since the last set of statistics. <clears throat> that number represents uh, at most a generation which some of you fall into. Uh, it's the millennial generation, the generation Y. 
And, uh, and my oldest daughter, who's not here tonight, she falls into that generation, so I'm not, I'm not pounding on you. I, I don't want to treat you any differently than anybody else in the generation X or generation next, which is Z, I believe. And so, but I want you to think about it like this. Let me illustrate it by telling you about my neighbor. A few weeks ago, my neighbor was in his yard, and he has a little three-year-old granddaughter. And she's out, and she's working on, or he's working on a car, and it's sitting out in the yard, and, and you know, it's been sitting there a while. I wish he'd hurry up and get it fixed, but, but she walks up to the car, and she says, or he says to her, I told you to stay away from there. And you know what she said? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and he said, because I said so. And friends, that's probably the hardest answer that we could get. The reason being is because that probably worked very well in my generation and it worked in your generation if you're older than I am because our parents said so or because the Bible says so. But it's not working as much today. Our generation that's coming forward and ahead wants to know the specifics of why. They don't just want to know, well, the Bible says you must be baptized to be saved. They want to know why you must be baptized to be saved and what is salvation all about. So we as the church have to do a much better job of digging into those answers so that we can teach others and so this none number goes down instead of up. Unfortunately, what we see here is uh, an estimated graphical chart of 2050. If you can't see that real well, I'll highlight a couple of numbers for you. Uh, the very top number or the, the top column is the percentage of people and then it goes down by age range. And you'll kind of see what I'm talking about there, ages 18 to 29, that next generation uh, that, that actually is coming after the generation Z. I guess they start over with A again. But people with no religion are 33% in an estimated graphical chart. Christians at 32%. Sounds like maybe the Christian faith may be holding its own, but not really. Muslim faith at 29%. So you can see that graph changes substantially. Um, and, uh, and some of that comes from, if you look over on the other picture, it shows the Muslim faith having children twice as much as Christians. Now, that, that's not going to change really. I don't think there's anything we can do to change that number, but we certainly can work on the other numbers to bring those numbers down. Why is that? Eternity is real. We need to make sure we understand that eternity is real. And these will go in, away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There is a fad right now with some preachers, even in the Lord's church, that is being taught that there is not a real hell. Friends, you can't look at this verse and say that. You can't say that at all. I looked at a Christian standard Bible translation the other day. That's one of the newest translations. They, they sent it out for people to evaluate. And I looked, and guess what? That word everlasting is eternal. It says the same thing on both sides of the sentence. So if you believe in eternal heaven, you must believe in eternal hell as well. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Our world seems to have that backwards. As a matter of fact, I had someone tell me recently that the road to heaven is very wide. And I don't know how they can look at that verse and get that. As a matter of fact, it, it, it kind of goes opposite of what that says. Our commitment is to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know the verse as well. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus says, go, teach, make disciples, baptizing them. And guess what? We're to teach some more. Not just a good pat on the back and an instruction booklet and say, see you next week. We as Christians must teach those that are, that are coming up in the Christian faith. And we must do that always. As Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This was not a limited commission given to those disciples in the time of Jesus. Mark said in 16, 15, and 16, 
uh, go into all the world. Where? To all the world and preach the gospel. To who? Every creature. That's everybody, no matter what their skin color, what, no matter what their ethnicity, no matter who they are, male or female, Galatians 3, 27, 28. Our commitment is to the urgency of the Great Commission. We're going to look back at Acts in just a few moments. But in Acts chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, you see the urgency that Philip had when the Holy Spirit called Philip away from his teaching and, and he told him to go to the chariot, overtake the chariot. The verse is very clear. It says, so Philip ran to him. There was expediency there. There was urgency there. Why is that? Well, friends, you and I know the honest truth. Our days are numbered. Our life is like a vapor, as James said. And so we need to have the urgency in order to make sure that we are preaching and teaching the gospel message to everybody as fast as we can. The reason being is because our days may not be here tomorrow. When we look at the commitment to preaching the whole counsel of God, I've already touched on that just a little bit, but Paul wrote in Acts chapter 20, he said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, the entire counsel of God, all of it. We can't keep back any of it. Paul said, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. We are committed to contending for the faith. In that short little book of Jude, verse number 3, we see that there is a common salvation a doctrine that was once given, it was given for all. It's not going to change. Uh, you hear the term used sometimes, new hermeneutics. That's a new way to study, and sometimes folks get, get tripped up in that, and they come to some new revelation. Well, let me tell you, there's nothing new. The Bible tells us that there's nothing new under the sun, referring to sins and things of that nature. But there's no new way to salvation either. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way that we can get to God except through Jesus, and we have to do what he says. Ephesians 5.11, Paul writes there, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That word expose in the New King James Version is used, I believe, three times in translation uh, from the original Greek in that particular word. Uh, it's used as a different word in some other translations. But I want to illustrate something there to you about the way that we can live our lives and expose the unfruitful works of darkness. Some of you may remember having a 35-millimeter camera. I'm really not that old, folks, if, if you're older than I am. But if you had a 35-millimeter camera, you remember you pulled the film out, you put it on the cog wheel, you take a snapshot, you roll the cog forward until you used up all your pictures. Sometimes you had 18, sometimes 24, sometimes 36. Then you might have got the fancy one with the battery that would spin it for you. But when you took your pictures, when you got done, you had to roll them back into the canister. Not too tight, but you'd roll them back in. Well, if you're like me, sometime you opened up that camera back before you were finished rolling it up. And guess what happened? You exposed the film. You exposed it to the light. Friends, if we live our lives as Jesus talks about living our lives and John talks about in 1 John 1, 7, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, you start to see there that, that light of our lives is going to expose these unfruitful works of darkness. Now, we need to certainly call out those bad things but we also can show that and expose that just through our lives to begin with. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. You might have heard the quote from Brother Marshall Keeble. He said, you preach it when they like it and when they don't like it. You preach it when it's convenient, when it's not convenient. You preach it whenever, whenever and every time. It says to convince, rebuke, exhort. And this next part of it, sometimes I struggle with all long suffering. That word means patience. Sometimes we get a little too impatient when we're teaching and let us understand that that's what Paul is giving Timothy the advice to do. 
In 1 Kings chapter 22, 14, I love this context of this because when you look at it, there's a whole other story inside of what's being said. The answer there is, and Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Now, God did not speak directly to Micaiah in that particular instance. Here's the, here's the context behind that. The king wanted an answer. The servants of the king uh, set up this line of prophets to come in, so to speak. I'm paraphrasing that just a little bit. But he set up this line of prophets and servants to come in. And as they came through, they gave them and said, we would like for all things to be in one accord, is what's told to the king. And so if you'll tell him this, this will make him happy. I'll say it in our modern-day vernacular. And so as Micaiah comes up and he's told, if you'll say this, it'll make the king happy, Micaiah says, I can't do that. Because as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. You see, whatever the Bible tells us, that's what we have to speak. We can't make anything new. We can't decide what's going to be best. And we also want to speak the truth in love that it may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, Ephesians 4, verse number 15. Who are we? The gospel of Christ has been in existence for a little over 20 years. I appreciate that introduction. The gospel of Christ is an evangelistic work of the congregation overseen at the Central Church of Christ and by her elders. Uh, It has been at the Central Congregation since 2014. Before that, it was overseen by an eldership in Ardmore, Oklahoma for many years. Um, As far as who we are, here's our eldership. You may know most of these men, if not all of them. Doug Boss, Richard Boss, Steve McGregor, William Ramsey, Frank Reynolds, Dennis Rush, Larry Smith, and Steve Stubblefield. Uh, it's a pleasure to work with those men every day. Ben is our speaker. If you've uh, not ever met Ben, I believe he's coming up on your summer series not too long from now. Uh, ben is the speaker for the Gospel of Christ. He's been the located preacher at Central, I believe, since 2011. He's a graduate of the Brown Trail School of Preaching in East Texas, and uh, uh, him and his family reside here in McNimble. Down on the bottom, you probably know Miss Beverly Ramsey. She taught for many, many years here in Warren County. She was a school principal, and she's tough as a cookie because she was my second-grade teacher. And so she keeps a paddle in her desk drawer in case you get out of line. Uh, I'm kidding there. At least I hope I am. <laughs> Frank is our studio manager. Most of you probably know Frank or have met him. You've probably seen him doing some videos of some different events. Uh, he actually takes care of getting the videos, uh, get all the captioning, Um, get the uh, verses put out front, gets them to the TV stations, and then he sends them over to me. Uh, I am the electronic media minister. That's a big, long title that means I work with the Internet, uh, the website, the social media sites, the streaming applications, and things of that nature. I also get to go out like these three men down here on the bottom as a field rep, which is what I'm doing tonight. Uh, Drew Milligan here in Warren County. He works in Warren County and DeKalb County and a couple other places. Paul Mays is out of Virginia. Uh, Jimmy Pitchford is in uh, right outside of Dallas, Texas, and we're in the process of putting a young man in North Alabama as well. So our mission is to, in, uh, to take the whole gospel to the whole world. Well, what do we do and how do we do that? In the last two parts of this presentation, we fulfill this mission with five evangelistic areas of emphasis. Obviously, television is our biggest and broadest way that we reach the world. We broadcast on many different stations. We'll show a sampling of those, but we've also started streaming recently. We'll talk about that a little bit. Radio, we're not so much on broadcast radio any longer, but we are still on streaming. Uh, We're building that network quite uh, quite a bit more. Let me go back here. I need to go that far. Okay. All right. Uh, Internet and social media, as I mentioned, we are uh, really big into pushing that, and I'll show you why on some statistics there. Free media. Let me pause for just a moment on free media. Back in the back, there's a table set up. 
Uh, there are probably eight or nine of our different DVD series back there for you. We have total 28 or 29 of those. Uh, and there's eight or nine of those that I brought as a sampling for you. You're welcome to take some of those. Um, the, uh, I'll fill my bag back up Wednesday, so no big deal. If you take two or three, if you want to give them out to your neighbors, that's fine. Uh, but our free media, we distribute our media all over the world absolutely free. Uh, we don't charge any shipping. We don't charge memberships or anything like that. And then personal evangelism, where we get to go out, uh, field reps, Ben and myself, anybody else that gets to go out. A few weeks ago, I got to, uh, got to have the privilege of being on a local TV station in Mont Eagle, talking with a preacher there. We were discussing Bible and the gospel of Christ. It was a fun event for me. Uh, first time I'd ever done anything like that, but it was a very interesting time. So uh, we also go to things like Polish in the Pulpit, Free Hardeman Lectureship, and other opportunities there where we are able to personally evangelize. The street fair coming up in autumn. Uh, we'll be there as well. The Gospel of Christ airs the soul-saving message every week on 25, uh, over 25 TV broadcast stations in the United States and internationally reaching millions of souls that we may not be able to reach otherwise. You know, door knocking is a great way to reach people in a community, especially if you're known. But for us to go out and to try to door knock in everywhere in the world would be very difficult. And a couple of reasons for that, you know, the safety and security are one of the things we have to think about. But also, what we need to think about, too, is how many of you remember somebody knocking on your door and they've got on some white shirts and black ties. I'm not making fun of them by any means, but you know what used to happen in my house when that would happen? Shh, turn the lights off. All right? And that's what happens. I mean, people don't want to be bothered at their home today. I mean, that's just, and I can say that from my business experience as well because I used to teach door knocking for a living. And so it's hard to get into people's homes today to study the Bible. Um, you know, they don't have time for it. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to take the time for it. But being on TV, that allows us an opportunity for people to sit down and have a, a, a Bible study in-house right there. And so that gives them an opportunity to sit down with a non-threatening environment. I always like to kind of kid a little bit, but we can give you some, some uh, examples of this. Sometimes it's a two-way conversation. Miss Beverly, when she comes in on Monday mornings or Wednesday mornings after a, broad, a big broadcast that I'll show you in just a moment, Sometimes we have some 30-minute conversations on the voicemail where they've talked to us the entire time. And so uh, we try to follow up with some of those if we can. Um, we're on DirecTV on channel 363. That's GEB America. We're on Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. That is our widest reach. Uh, we get a lot of feedback from that particular channel. Uh, Dish Network on channel 262, Thursdays at 6 p.m. That's the Angel One Network. Uh, a couple other significant ones. We're on in Chicago. We cover the entire city of Chicago. Uh, we're on KSBI Channel 52 in Oklahoma City. One and a half million households there. Uh, Way 31 down in Huntsville. I, I love working with that station there. We're on Saturdays at 11 a.m. there. However, a lot of times if they'll have a golf tournament or a uh, hockey game or whatever that takes that time slot, they will give us a prime slot on Sunday afternoon. Um, and, and we appreciate that with them. Here's the interesting thing about Way 31. They are the ABC affiliate in Huntsville. And if you think about it, ABC doesn't produce a whole lot of good religious material. And so to, to have the affiliate be that accommodating for our network is, is beautiful for us. We're on Ben Loma TV, Channel 6. We're on there on Sundays and Wednesdays, if you'll notice the times there. Um, we're reaching about 40,000 households there. And if you're from my area or DeKalb County, uh, DTC Channel 3, Sunday mornings at 7.30 a.m. And if you happen to visit Kauai, Hawaii, You'll meet with the church family there at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and our, our show is broadcast. The, they don't have a preacher. And so the, show, the, the uh, 1 o'clock session of the show is actually their preaching element of their worship service. 
And so uh, we don't want to be a substitute for anything in the church, but if they don't have an opportunity or means otherwise, we want to help them in any way we can. Internationally, you'll see a few channels there. The, the good thing about the international stations, we don't have to pay anything for those. Missionaries help us get those in place for free. With technology changing, we've had to also make some changes. We are now streaming uh, every platform that we have been able to reach. Uh, what that means is, uh, Brother Tony helped me to test the Apple TV station a couple weeks ago. Uh, we launched that, I believe, around April 15th. We've been on Roku now since November. Roku has been a beautiful opportunity for us. We have over 6,000 subscribers uh, just on Roku alone. Uh, Amazon Fire TV, I think we've got 38 subscribers on that. <laughs> Not a very big medium, uh, but it's there. We're on uh, Google Play Podcast, or Google Podcast. We're on um, Apple Podcasts. We're on TuneIn Radio Podcast, and I believe Stitcher Podcast. So if you want to listen, you can listen that way. Uh, GBN, we have a great relationship with those guys at GBN. Mark Teske will use our station or our program as a filler for their station. A lot of times, currently, we're on about 30 times a week on the GBN network. So if you turn on GBN on, on Ben Loma TV uh, in the middle of the night, you're probably going to see Ben Bailey. So if, uh, I had somebody tell me that they watch him when they can't sleep. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> didn't share that with him. <laughs> we just released our, our uh, apps a few weeks back. Uh, these are on all platforms. They're on the Apple platform, the Google platform, uh, the Windows Phone platform, and, and they're beautiful and crisp. We went with a company that was able to make all of our all of our things look the same. So when you go to Apple TV, it looks just like the Apple iPhone app. Uh, the good thing about it is, is you can watch every video, you can listen to the audio, you can download it right on your phone, you can take notes while you're watching and listening. Uh, there's also some other resources on there that we'll talk about when we get to the website as well. The Gospel of Christ Internet is one of our most economical ways to reach the world. I estimate about 25 cents will reach eight to 10,000 people. Now that sounds great, and it is, except for you've got to think about how many people are in the world. That 10,000 is just a drop in the bucket. Uh, but it is our fastest growing way to reach people across the world. Uh, every day we get multiple emails and contacts from our website of people who are in good prospects of Bible study. We try our very best to connect them with the local church uh, where they are at. Sometimes we hear some great results. A few weeks ago in Huntsville, we heard back from a family that her uh, their um, her mother had been uh, they had been working with her, studying with her for years. She was in a denominational background for 77 years. They said, and she watched the program on Way 31. They contacted us through the internet to let us know that she was baptized a few weeks ago. So we're uh, proud to to be able to help in ways that, that sometimes we don't even know. But we always try to put these contacts in contact with the church uh, or a preacher in their local area. All of our videos and audios are available there on the website. Most of the lessons have transcripts as well, so you can print those off and use those. If you're teaching a, a Bible study class or something like that, you can do that. Uh, they're available free of charge 24-7. It also contains a whole slew of things on there of articles, Bible class curriculum, uh, questions and answers section that... Uh, most of you probably know Shane Fisher. He wrote a lot of those questions and answers uh, in that section. Study guides, women's section, Emily Fisher wrote, I think, all of those. Uh, and a how-to guide section. That how-to guide section, just as a word of caution, is a 252-page PDF, so don't try to print it on the church printer. Um, you can download it on an iPad or what have you. And what that is, it's, it's, a, it's just kind of a, a booklet of questions that we've had asked over the years and it has biblical answers on it. It has some commentary in the Bible verses, such as how do we establish an eldership in the church? And you go to that section that will give you the verses on leadership in the church and a little bit of commentary 
uh, from one of our riders. Social media, an excellent way for us to get the message out. We, uh, we have a very popular Facebook page. Started posting videos on that August 1st of last year when I started. And by the end of August, we had over 25,000 video views just on Facebook alone. Um, to give you an example of the difference there, Facebook we, or um, uh, YouTube, we've been on for about five years now, and our most watched video there is only 8,000. So you can see that social media is much more interactive than it, even the video channels themselves. But thousands of people interact with us daily through those social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, YouTube, Vimeo, and more. If you happen to get our monthly newsletter, we re-established uh, it a few months ago with a different provider. If you were getting it and are not getting it now, there's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer, as well as you can go to our website and you can re-sign up for that as well. To give you a few stats, and we'll kind of breeze through these a little quickly, but we get about 350 visits every single day to our website. That's phenomenal to me. I mean, just to see the, 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 the way that people interact and the way that they're finding it. And because we do ask questions and we look at our search engines and figure out where people are, what they're searching. People are looking for truth. They are certainly looking for truth. And we want to make sure that they find it. 50 to 60 DVDs, like I said, the free media back there, those are requested every single day. Four to 500 videos watched every day on Facebook. Uh, 150 to 175 on YouTube and Vimeo. And since we've launched our Roku channel, our Apple TV channel, our YouTube and Vimeo, we have over 100,000 minutes every single month that are watched. That's getting closer to 125,000 now. Um, the free media I talked about is one of our more effective ways of getting the message out, especially to foreign countries. All of our lessons are available to you free of charge on DVD. There's a pamphlet back there that you can actually send in, and Beverly will send you those. The church can order a congregational set with all of the uh, series on there. It'll be a lot of DVDs, but we'll be glad to get them to you. Uh, we cover every major topic that one might want to study, including angels and uh, the Holy Ghost and things of that nature. In average, we receive 200 to 250 media requests. That equates to about 1,500 DVDs sent out every month. Uh, we send to 35 states on average, 15 to 20 countries, and we have sent free media to every single country in the world. Here's some examples of media requests as we kind of finish up. Um, this first one was from an India Baptist Theological Seminary. Now, to catch that, it's in India. It's a Baptist school of preaching. And so they're going to get some information, or they've already gotten it, hopefully they're using it, about the Church of Christ, about baptism, about other things. And so we may have a possibility of teaching in a denominational school setting, and maybe they'll learn the truth. And so as you look at that, look at the second one down there. This fellow said, I watched GBN on Roku. That's how he found out about us. Uh, of course, now we have our own Roku channel. Um, but we ask what religious affiliation folks are when they order DVDs from us. So we, we want to kind of cater to them, get them the information they need. He said he was Baptist, but he was changing. These next ones that come up here, the one on top is from Athens. That's not Athens, Tennessee, or Athens, Alabama, Tony. That's Athens, Greece. And so that's kind of one of those double-edged swords. We're glad we're getting requests from Athens, but it's kind of sad that we're having to send media about the Bible to areas we read about in the Bible. Um, seems like they should be sending things to us. The middle one there, this lady wrote to us. She said, I was raised in a Baptist church. I'm married to a Baptist preacher, and I'll cut that one a little short. She was watching some of our lessons on baptism, and it caused her some, some conflict. And she started talking to her husband about it a little bit, and, and uh, we've, we've kind of talked to her outside of just this request a little bit. Uh, but she asked for the DVD so that she could sit down with her husband and watch them and, and see if they couldn't come up with the same answers. The one on the bottom says, I was a Pentecostal holiness pastor a few years ago. I began to study by listening to you on the Internet. 
I am now a baptized member of the Lord's church. And that we say to God be the glory. We got that one in just about a month and a half ago. There's some examples of some of the DVDs. I believe all of those are back there on the back table. The Church of Christ, Godly Homes in an Ungodly World, Baptism, The Truth About the Truth. That's a really neat one right there. If it's not back there, please consider getting one. Uh, that is about pornography, gambling, drinking, uh, you name it. Uh, there's uh, eight lessons on there about these things that sometimes come up in conflict. And then Answering Denominational Doctrine, that's a two-disc uh, series, and it uh, covers a lot of questions that you might have about denominational beliefs. So why am I here tonight? Well, you have supported us as a program in the past, and we appreciate that very dearly. We want to ask you to please pray for the gospel of Christ. Give us an opportunity uh, of your prayers. What I mean by that is Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, but just a few verses later, in verse 25, four very important words, brethren, pray for us. If Paul can ask for prayers for them, I certainly want to ask for prayers for us. But also, please help us with networking and contacts. You probably know others uh, in congregations outside of Bobby Branch and some of the other areas that we may already be uh, working with. Maybe you can kind of drop a name in there. Maybe you can help us to get in front of another congregation. The problem that we have is not getting out to enough people. I, I live in Woodbury, Tennessee, and I didn't even know about the program until just a few years ago. And some of you here today may not have ever heard the program. And that's what we want to do. We want people to understand the resource that you have available to you. And then, of course, obviously all the things that we do require financial assistance. As I mentioned, the church has helped us before. We ask that you consider either a monthly donation or uh, individually as a congregation or other periodic or one-time donations. But I want to tell you about something we've started doing as of late in the last few months. These little cards um, are at all the local funeral homes. Uh, they're also in Cannon County and I think some of the Coffee County funeral homes as well. You've seen memorial cards placed at funerals, I'm sure. My wife and I decided several months ago that this was going to take the place of flowers at a funeral. Uh, reason being is in Hebrews 11, it talks about Abel speaking from the grave. And so I want you to think about that as an evangelistic opportunity. Because now if you've memorialized someone that you that a loved one or a family member or a church member or a neighbor, you've memorialized them. First thing is they get a card at the funeral home. Second thing, Miss Beverly will mail out a letter to whoever you tell her to mail that to, whether it be close family or what have you, letting them know that a donation has been placed in their memory. I have seen it happen myself with people that we have mailed them to. Sometimes I get a phone call, hey, what's this Gospel of Christ program? Now it's become evangelistic. Just because someone passed away, it's become an evangelistic opportunity. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm just saying that that is an opportunity. Because friends face it, flowers usually die within just a few weeks. This is a way that their name can live on because it goes on our website and then, like I said, it may be an opportunity for somebody to learn about the gospel. And so that's another opportunity that we have there. But that's, that's the way, uh, that's the reason I'm here tonight is to talk to you about that. Now let's shift gears just a moment. If you would, think about Acts chapter 8. We had the one verse read, or two verses read, but I want to read you a couple more verses by way of conclusion and invitation. In this setting, in this situation, we know the story. We've talked about it a little bit already tonight, but Philip was called away from his teaching environment to go and meet with the eunuch. Now, this eunuch, I want you to think about just a moment. He was already a devout man of God. The reason I say that is because he had been to the religious feast. He was traveling back, and what was he doing? Nothing short of reading the Scriptures. So he was reading in Isaiah, and we would know the passage to be Isaiah 53. He did not understand, and the Holy Spirit saw the need for Philip to go and to teach him. 
And friends, what a beautiful opportunity. We can all have that same opportunity in our lives each and every day. But I want you to think about something. When it comes to verse number 36, now it says, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, I have read that verse over and over and over for many, many years. I've had it read to me. I've heard it. And I'm thinking, you know, and you may be thinking, preacher, why are you talking about baptism? We know all about baptism. I want you to think a little bit longer about this. I'll use this as an illustration. Our granddaughter, our our oldest uh, granddaughter is six years old, about to be seven. We went to Disney year before last as a family. And Brooklyn was not quite tall enough to ride some of the rides that she wanted to ride. She's a thrill seeker like me. She wanted to ride some of those big rides. Well, she was wearing those little toms, the little flat shoes. And so when she'd get up there, she'd be just, just a tad too short. And they'd say, sorry, you can't ride. Well, the next day we went back and she wore some big puffy tennis shoes. And guess what? She could ride. Now I want you to think about that with this Ethiopian eunuch. In the Old Testament, there's two places here that I want to highlight for you. In the book of Exodus, we find in chapter 21, listen to these couple of verses here. For any man who has a defect, starting in verse 18, shall not approach a man blind or lame who has a marred face or any limb too long, a man who has broken foot or broken hand or is a hunchback or a dwarf or a man who has a defect in his eye or eczema or scab or is a eunuch. You flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse number 1. He who is emasculated by crushing or mutilation shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. One of the illegitimate births shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter in the assembly of the Lord. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of the descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. So we have the eunuch described here as not even being able to go in the temple. Tonight at our church worship service, that eunuch would not be invited in. He would not be allowed to come in under these laws. But I want to go back to something here real quick for you. You remember he's reading in Isaiah chapter 53. Isn't it beautiful that we have book, chapter, and verse that we can go by? Let me tell you why. Because if you turn three pages over, if you count a chapter per page, to Isaiah 56, verse number 4, you know what happens? God says the eunuch is limited no more. No more. So that question that is asked in Acts chapter 8, verse number 36, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? You see, the eunuch was expecting a, sorry, you're not tall enough to ride. You can't. You can't do this. But that's not the answer Philip gave, was it? In Acts chapter 8, verse 37, Philip told him, if you believe with all thy heart, you may. Tonight, there may be somebody here who has not become a member of the church by being baptized into the watery grave. You've not come into the contact of the blood of Christ. The Bible tells us we must hear the word, we must believe it, we must repent, turning away from our old self, kind of like the, uh, the caterpillar and the butterfly, the metamorphosis that we see there kind of has the same root word. And so when we look at that, we also must know that we must confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Lord of our lives, and then we must be immersed for the forgiveness of our sins. If you've not done that tonight, you have opportunity. But also, as you think about it, when the eunuch had limitations, he was not able to do certain things. Well, friends, just like that, 
the person who's in sin has limitations too. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 limits us from God if we have sin in our lives. It separates us. But tonight we have the opportunity that we can have the brethren here pray for us. We can have those that are our church members, our family, pray with us and for us. And God says that he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends, tonight, the only thing hindering you from becoming a Christian or returning to the fold of God is you and that pew in front of you. Won't you consider tonight, if you need to obey the gospel or if you need to come forward for any reason, won't you come right now as we stand and sing?